Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. Well, this podcast, the theme is going to be blue because what we're going to do is give some updates on some of my blue tarantulas, including two of the communals, one of which is uh, no more, and I'll get more into that in a moment. And then one spider, particular spider, that's been probably the, it's tied with the most elusive in my collection. It's between this one and my S crassipes or P crassipes. The, both of them are scarce as far as me being able to get video footage of them. Both of them, I just tried to do a, a video with everybody in my collection and some of my fastest growing ones, and I could not get any new footage of them. Well, that has changed, so we'll get into that as well. So to kick it off, first thing, we're going to start off with a little M. Balfouri update. I think I touched on this one in an earlier one, but I'm going to be putting, well, I already started putting a video together for these guys because a lot of people have been asking. Now, years ago when I started this, and we're going to talk about two competing communals here, two very different communals. When I had heard about the M. Balfouris, I had also heard, obviously, other spiders could be kept communally, but it seemed like the M. Balfouris, a lot of people had a lot of good luck with them early on, but then you didn't hear much about it after that. So my goal when keeping these guys was to kind of show once and for all and observe and to report good or bad what happens in my communal. So if it had ended poorly, I would have ended up with a lot of egg on my face. I would have apologized. It would have looked like a jerk to a lot of people who can't stand communals because they think it just needlessly jeopardizes as spiders for the amusement of the keepers and unfortunately for me it didn't end up that way we ended up getting a lot of great footage I think a lot of people saw those videos we did a whole series where I basically did an update every month I think for the first year maybe 14 months or so and then after that it was anytime I caught anything interesting so they haven't done an update in quite some time because they've been scarce but I think for a lot of people they saw this and saw not only spiders living together but living together in a way that it seemed the spider benefit it benefited from that interaction that social interaction which I think that is what we all crave with some of the other species like the one I'm going to get into in a bit, not so much. I mean, you see some benefits, but it's not the same as the Balfouri that from what a lot of people have observed, they do very, very well in these communal setups. I often compared the growth rates, the first three that I raised, I had two males and a female, I still have the female. They, I got those at juveniles at like an inch and a half or so, and it took them forever to reach like the four or five inch mark, where the other ones I kept in the communal, the, the nine I had in the communal, the males matured out in like in 14 months, the females were young female adults within a year. So they grew better, they were bolder, they ate better, a lot of good things there. So just a little a recap, I know everybody knows the story of the M-Balfouris, but it's so cool because I go now and I see so many people have them and enjoy them and now it's not so much a taboo thing. There's still people out there that are dead set against it. I know if you go on certain boards and you mentioned the Balfouris or communals, there are still folks out there that will swear they're not communal, that you're putting the spiders at risk. And is there a risk? There's always an inherent risk. There's an inherent risk whenever you put animals together. Now, the difference between spiders and, say, dogs is that dogs, you can usually split up their fine spiders. They're going to fight, and they might eat the other spiders. So there's that's obviously a little harsher of a consequence if you keep them together. But overall, I think we've seen with the Balfour, they do well. I hadn't seen, now, just the update part of this one, I hadn't seen mine for quite some time. I wasn't panicked. There was never, the good thing about the M Balfouri is it got to a point where I did not worry about obsessively counting them. We all go through it, and anybody that's had an M Balfouri communal, you know you've done it. You freak out when you, you know, you have five in there, but you're only ever seeing three out, or you're only ever seeing four out. There's always that one elusive one that you never see out, or it's probably a different spider every single time, but in your mind, it's, you're missing one, and then usually what happens is when they do a rehousing and dig them up, they find the other spiders, they're all there. So, 
we've all done it. I used to, even with the Balfouri early on, every night I was in there with a flashlight counting them all up. And I remember at one point I could only ever count eight and I was freaking out. I told Billy, this isn't good. We've only got eight here. What if they're eating each other? And all nine were there. So we basically ended up with four males, five females. The last male died this winter and I was able to recover Two of the male bodies, they were not eaten. They That's one thing I want to point out. They I, they weren't devoured by the females because I've heard that the females, if they find the dead male, will consume it just out of getting it out of there. But those, at least two of them weren't eaten. They were kind of out in the open and I got them out. Uh, the other two, I'm not sure what happened to them. I did not find any giant boluses. So I don't know if they are somewhere in there. I do have to do a major cleaning of this tank soon. So we'll, we'll kind of poke around and see if I can find them. But right now, what's left are the five females and then... A about three weeks ago, I came up and went to feed them, and two of the females were out. So I dropped some crickets in, came back later. All five of them were almost out. There was a couple that were kind of hiding in the tunnels, but I managed to get some footage at least proving that the five females are still alive, doing well. They were eating right next to each other at one point. I mean, it was great to see them all out again because it really, I hadn't seen them in so long. Again, no fears that there was anything wrong with them. It's just people have been asking me for updates because there's people that have followed them. Oh gosh, it's been like three years now, I think. And like, hey, what's going on with the Valforias? Is there anything there? And I've always said that if there's something worth reporting or if I get some footage, you will hear from me. If there's nothing, just assume I haven't had anything. And that was the case with them. And I think people were thinking that that wasn't true. <laughs> like I had people really upset. Like, why don't you get some update footage? I don't care if it's just the empty tank. I'm like, I'm not going to film an empty tank. I want to catch at least a couple of these girls out. So they are still doing well. Two of them just molted, and they actually dumped their molts on the surface. Usually they work them into I don't get many molts out of there. That was one of the big things when I was growing them up, that you didn't get a lot of molts to even sex to get an idea of how many females you might have because they kind of work them into their burrows. So a couple of them are dropped them up top. So again, next step with these guys is a massive cleaning. I'm trying to figure out how to do it. Most of it's going to involve taking the well, washing all the poo off the side of the enclosure. And then taking the probably the top layer of substrate as much as I can get without digging into their tunnels, removing that and then adding fresh substrate on top of it. I don't want to get into the lower levels right now. It's kept dry, so I don't guess there's I don't anticipate there's an issue with the substrate being dirty below. But I couldn't and one of the things I could do is if I can find where the tunnels are, I think there's some ends areas by the end of the enclosure, by the long ends that there are no tunnels in. I could try to dig that up and replace it. We'll see how it goes. I'm gonna replace as much as I can without messing up what they have. I will probably block off part of the enclosure with cardboard while I work on the other part just so nobody shoots out. But I'm guessing if I start fooling around in there, for the most part, they're going to duck into their burrows and hide. That's usually what's happened lately whenever I disturb the tank. But all five girls are doing well. I did not end up with any babies. It sounds like for the majority of people that keep them together and keep the males in there, they won't drop a sack if there is a male in the vicinity. However, I did have a buddy of mine that recently said that he did get a sack from his communal and it was viable and he has little babies and he might start another communal with that. So there we go. That went against what we thought we knew about them. I have not, I did not receive any from mine. There was breeding activity. The males were breeding the females and the males were breeding each other. There was a lot of friskiness going on, but I never ended up with a sack from it, which is, I mean, part of me is disappointed only because it would have been cool to have the sack. And then another part of me was like, 
like dreading what I would do, how I would get the babies out. Would I leave them in there? What would happen if I left the babies in there? Would the other Balfouri prey on the babies? I'm kind of glad it didn't happen because that was something as much as I tried to roll around in my mind, I couldn't quite come up with, you know, how was this going to work? What is this going to look like? So again, I don't think I'm going to separate them. There was some thought at one point taking them out to breed them individually. I kind of like them together. It's been three or four years now. It, at least I think it's three or four. It could be even more. Let me just check over. Oh my gosh, it's been five years. June 23rd, 2016 is when I put them together. My gosh, how time flies. It really honestly doesn't seem that long. I thought it was like three years. So it's been five years, over five years they've been together. So I would declare my communal 100% a success. When we were starting to you know, show some activity with it, I had some people come on and go, well, let's see where they are in a few years. Well, here we are in a few years. Everybody's doing well. I've again, I've spoken to many. This is the popular thing now. When you go out there, there it used to be you look up M Balfouri Communal on YouTube, and mine would come up, and a couple other ones would come up. There are so many people with them now. There are ones that are trying to do super communals that have like over a hundred specimens in there. It's just gone bonkers with the communals. And I think the majority of people report that they go very well. Again, with any animal you keep to, you know, a group of them together, there can be friction. You could lose one, but I don't think immediate one person losing one is not a, a sign of a failure or that it doesn't work. That type of logic irritates the heck out of me because I've heard people say, well, if you, if somebody loses even just one, the whole thing's a failure. No, that's not true. That's ridiculous. It's very narrow-minded. And I think it comes down to looking at the grand scheme of things. The majority of folks report good interactions that they grow, that they grow them right up through adulthood. I've had people add smaller specimens in with the larger ones and they've done well. I've had people add larger ones, the smaller ones, all kinds of stuff. They do well overall. So this would be something if somebody's out there going, hey, you know what? I'd really like to try jump on this tarantula communal thing. And I'd like to really find a, a species to do it with. It's going to be the I don't know, most stress-free of the bunch. And Balfouri. It's by far the gold standard as far as tarantula communals. It's the one that I've seen that really, really benefits from that type of environment. Now, moving on to the next one that I struggled with from day one. I documented this in an earlier podcast, so I won't rehash the whole thing. But my P. Metallicas, I got the opportunity to start a P. Metallica communal. It was one of those situations I didn't go out and say, let me buy a bunch of P. Metallicas to start a communal. I was doing a trade, and I just so happened to get the offer to start with 10 P. Metallicas to try out the communal thing. Now, my thought process behind this, I had read about them. I had read of some that had been very successful. I believe Tom Patterson had one where he kept them right through adulthood, and then I'd read other things that weren't so successful. However, in the back of my mind was the M. Balfouri. When I started with the M. Balfouri and set up that communal, there are a lot of folks saying that they are not communal, that that hasn't been observed in their natural environment, that it's a waste of spiders, they're all going to end up dead, communals only go well until they don't go well, if you start a communal, you start with 10, you end up with one fat spider, all that stuff, and I read enough, found enough out there from people who had done this before to make me believe that might not be true, so one of the reasons I set up the Balfouri was to kind of prove once and for all, can it work? Will it not work? And it, it, we proved that it did. So with the Metallicas, I, I was reading positives, I was reading negatives, and I was thinking once again, here's a chance to decide once and for all, does this work? Is this a viable option? Do they do well in the communal environment? Is it destined for failure? Is there risk involved? Yes, there is. What, did it bother me? Yes, it did. Can I understand why people would get upset to find out? You know, there's people out there that want to get one 
P. Metallica, and they're a pricey spider. They can't afford it. They see me putting 10 together and possibly risking their lives, and they go, what a waste of money for spiders. What a uh, needless waste of spider life if it goes wrong. I totally get that. Believe me, I think I've documented before how on the on the fence I was with this one for quite some time before deciding, you know what, we can prove once and for all. We can kind of see how it goes, and I can prove to myself once and for all, does it work? Now, was this, was this a success? It's a tough one. I think part of me believes, yeah, there were some really successful aspects of it. Another part of me believes not so much, and I don't think I'd do it again. So just to fill people in who may not be clued in on this one, folks that are on the podcast that haven't seen the videos, I got the 10 slings from Fear Not Tarantulas in June 29th of 2018 with the the whole idea was to start them in a communal. And at that point, I put them into a basically an acrylic cylinder that's about five inches in diameter, maybe eight or nine inches tall or so, 10 inches tall around there. Loaded them all in, and right away, I noticed they were a lot more open, out in the open. We saw them a lot more. They were eating like machines. The big problem I had with the P. Metallica that I raised before this by itself, I got it as a sling. It was one of my most shy pieces of theory I've ever kept. It would do things like it wouldn't eat for a couple weeks, and then I'd try it again. It would eat. I mean, wasn't the fastest growing spider. wasn't the best eater I had. I'd spoken to others that have raised the P. Metallicas, and they've some of them have seen the same things, just not quite the voracious eaters or not quite as bold as some of the other species. But others have said theirs have grown fine. So just something that I noticed right off the bat, they were growing well. They put on, put on a lot of size. So in March 23rd of 2019, we had to rehouse again. We were trying to count them. There were The one thing we noticed right off the bat is the majority of the spiders were growing great, but there were, I think, seven that were growing wonderfully, really putting on serious size. And then there were three runts. And when I say runts, I mean, at one point, one of the largest spiders was four inches. One of the smallest spiders was about an inch that much difference in the growth rate and they weren't bothering the little ones and the weird thing is you'd see the little ones running around the big ones eating underneath the big ones but it just it was really bizarre to see these little teeny tiny slings in there with basically what look like young adults so on march 23rd 2019 we rehoused them into an 8 by 8 by 12 enclosure it was like a little i had some plants in it and everything and cork bark they at that point we realized when we did the recount there were only nine there was one teeny tiny sling the, the smallest of the bunch, it wasn't growing at all. Like even the small one that was an inch was bigger than this one and it kind of disappeared. I don't know if it was eaten. I thought when we dug through the debris in the bottom of the old enclosure, when I rehoused them, we thought we found what looked like the mummified. It had some mold on it. It looked like it was probably the sling, but I'm not 100% positive. I don't think it was devoured. I just don't think it was doing well in that situation. So we put nine in the eight by eight by 12. There was a point where the little ones were so tiny, the big ones continue to grow and put on size. And like I said, they hit like four inches or so and the little ones weren't growing at all. So I pulled two of them out and I raised them separately. I'm looking at them right now. They're both in the same, well, ironically, the same cylindrical containers I originally started them in. One of them is, is kind of caught up to the other ones a bit. It's about four inches or so. It's got its adult colors. looks like a young adult. The other one is still about an inch and three quarters, still tiny. One of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. I mean, you've seen runts, this little guy is really, really tiny. So we had 
on January 10th of 2020, we went and rehoused the seven young adults into it, their final enclosure, which was a 12 by 12 by 18 inch, like zoom ed, I think it was. And I'm looking over at it now. Yep, it's a zoom ed. We did a bio full kind of full bioactive setup with the the drainage layer on the bottom. We had an aluminum plant in it. We had some, I believe, some type of vine that didn't last very long because unfortunately they webbed up. They ended up killing up all the plants because it was just too much spider traffic for the plants and the size of the enclosure. But at that point, we had seven in there and they continued to grow and molt. They were doing great. I fed them a lot. I always made sure they had prey items in there. Well, then several months back, it was, I think, right before we moved. So probably maybe October of last year or so, I came in one day to find a rather what looked like a large bolus that uh, had a lot of conspicuous blue in it, as in somebody had eaten one of the other spiders. So I was freaking out. We're trying to count them. We couldn't find them. I couldn't tell if it was an old molt or if it was an actual spider. I was leaning toward an actual spider because I had one that I was pretty sure was a male that was about to molt. It molted. I caught it out once, kind of in the background, couldn't get a good look at it. I think it was a mature male, and that one just disappeared. So I was pretty convinced. Now, in my mind, it was like, all right, this could have just been a situation where the male was running around trying to breed the females, it didn't go well, and they ate them, which would be kind of a natural occurrence. Or the guy molted, came out, it was a little weak, and somebody said, oop, free male, and ate him. There was one female in there that was quite fat after the fact, so I was assuming it was that one that ate him. But either way, we it was a, it was pretty obvious that was, there was some cannibalism going on, and that was that bothered me. I mean, this is something again. I've talked about this from day one. The Balfouris, I settled down within about a year's time. I had I really wasn't stressing about them at all with the P Metallicas. I was continuing to stress all the way through that something was going to go wrong with these things, and it, somebody was going to get eaten. So we have a situation where it looked like one of them was devoured. wasn't one hundred percent positive, but that was when I did the podcast about the fact I'm thinking about breaking them apart. So I kept them together for a little while. They were doing fine. Didn't see any issues. I was feeding them. And then recently I noticed they started, we got into the new house, summer heat, you know, heated up. It got really hot in here and they all started to go into pre-molt and started to molt. Now, my big issue was when you hear about the peace Lotharia communals, usually when the violence happens, it's when one molts and is basically unable to defend itself or it just came out, it's not eating yet and it gets attacked by one of the other ones. So I had some in there that had just molted that were hardening up and ready to eat. I had other ones that were just starting to molt. I was afraid we were going to have a bloodbath. I mean, there was nothing, no indication anything was going to go wrong, but I'm just thinking if anything goes wrong, and they start eating each other, now is going to be the time. They're full adults at this point. They're, you know, we've already had one instance with the little guy disappearing, which could have just been because he was a frisky male. Who knows, but I was getting really nervous about it. So I made the call that it would be time to start breaking the communal apart. So what I did is instead of just taking them all out at once, I would catch one of them out on the glass door and I would just carefully open the door, cup it, put it in a new enclosure and get it out. So over the course of about, eh, it's been about a month or so, I pulled all of them but one out. So I left one in the enclosure. The original seven that were in there, there has been no more cannibalism or was no more cannibalism after that last incident with the, what I believe to be the 
mature male. So they were still doing well, but it ended up over the course of several weeks pulling them all out. So there's one in there now, which I will be taking out, redoing the whole enclosure and putting her back in because the enclosure looks terrible. There's just poo everywhere. There's web, there's rotten plants from the ones I tried to put in there. That needs to be changed. So one of them will get that enclosure. The rest of them all have new enclosures. They're separate. They're solo. It's weird because... Obviously, I just rehoused them into new enclosures, but even the one that I rehoused in the first one that I grabbed about a month ago is still hasn't settled in completely. There, there seemed to have been, almost like the Balfouri, there was some security, some safety in numbers. They seemed to be a bit more bold when there was more of them around, which was kind of cool, but now that they're separated, I'm starting to get that very shy behavior from them. So they are separate. I'm going to be keeping them separate from now on. I'm not putting them back together. The question is, was this a success or not? I think there were some good things to be learned from it. I'm hoping people will hear this podcast. There will eventually be a video where I talk about it, which will give people more to think about. I do think they can be successfully kept together to a point, but one of the things you have to keep in mind is you kind of have to keep them crammed together. And that part always bothered me. This isn't a situation where like the Balfouri where I dropped a bunch of, you know, little teeny half inch slings in a foot by 10 inch enclosure. So there were little t- tiny guys and they all ended up in the same tunnel, grew together and they were fine. This is a situation where you have to keep them in something small and cramped so they don't create their own territories. So right away, that kind of indicates this isn't a totally natural situation. Again, the thought process behind why this might happen is that in their natural environments where they come from, There may be situations where because of habitat loss, they've adapted to being a little more accepting to having other specimens of the same species in close proximity. So it's like because of the lack of habitat, they could either cannibalize themselves, there's only a few left, or learn to kind of tolerate having more than one in one tree. Maybe a lot of times when you see this type of behavior with spiders, this type of communal behavior, it's because these slings stay with the mom a lot later than they do with other species. So with the Balfouri, if you watch Balfouri, the mom will continue to feed them for quite a while. It could be a situation, I don't know. This has not been observed in the wild. I want to make that very clear. I had stated something in an article about the basically explaining this might be why they're like this and somebody took it as me saying this is the way they were in the wild. Nope, not at all. But there's definitely, they've adapted to be able to live in close proximity. Now, how long does that last for and how much do they get a benefit out of it? I don't know. I will say I got more size, great size growth out of the majority of mine. Remember, there were those three runs, so those it obviously didn't work with. But for seven of them, we got great growth rate. The male matured out rather quickly. The females are were big, beefy female. Now they're all full grown, but they hit that four inch, four and a half inch mark within about a year or so, year and a half. So it was good growth rate on them. They seemed to be more bold. They were out in the open a lot. Sometimes you come out and they'd be all of them right out in the open, which was great. And you could take pictures of them. However, we do have a confirmed, you know, again, that never, when we, I was so hoping when I took these guys out of here that somehow it would be one of those deals where I miscounted and there was an extra one in there, but unfortunately there was not. So somebody did get devoured. Somebody did get eaten. The question is, does that make it a failure? I think you can look at it two different ways and I can honestly see both sides of it. One, one way, yeah, you lost a spider. You put a spider in there. You, If you had kept them separately, it wouldn't have happened. So if I had kept them by themselves, that guy, little guy wouldn't have been eaten and therefore we lost a spider and that means it's an unsuccessful communal. On the other hand, you think about the fact that in any communal situation, there's going to be friction. There, are, I point to the NNC, the NNC are ones that are considered, those are, that's a species that people have seen, witnessed in the wild, if I'm not mistaken, in communal setups. People have done huge communals with them. 
from what I've gathered, there will be some cannibalism with them. When you put them together, you start with a sack of the same, you know, brothers and sisters. Some of them will eat the smaller, weaker ones. That might just be the natural order of things. They want the strongest ones to survive. So they eat the smaller ones, which reduces the amount of spe uh, specimens that are consuming those resources. And at the same time, they get fed. So it works out. So those stronger ones get even stronger. That could just be the natural order of things. Now in our, because we're forcing this, this is one of those things where it's man kind of playing God, because we try to set up these communals and these unnatural situations in our own homes. We try to replicate it. When we look at this, we're kind of forcing them in those situations. If something like that happens, it does seem like a failure. I mean, I can't help but think, I lost one of these guys. That's not a good situation. It's not like the Balfouri where they're all doing well. Somebody got eight, and that's not a good situation. So it's tough because I think, and I had this discussion with somebody before. We we're talking, going back and forth, talking about the communals, and it's like, what makes a successful communal? If you start off with 50 spiders and you end up with, I don't know, we'll go, you end up with 45. You lose five of them. Most people go, oh my God, you've lost five spiders. But if those 45 spiders are healthy, robust, and continue to live together, from that point on, with no friction, is that a success? I don't know. I can't answer it. I guess it depends on the keeper and it depends on the perspective. If somebody went, heck no, it's not a success. You lost five spiders, you idiot. I'd have a hard time arguing that. If somebody else turned around and went, yeah, you have 45 really healthy spiders, they'd lose a heck, a, lot of, a heck of a lot more than that in the wild through predation and through elements and through just you know natural selection. Yeah, that's a pretty good number to have survive. Then I could see that too. So that's where it all gets tricky. However, here is my final call on this one. I enjoyed raising them up. I thought it was an excellent. I, I'm. I do not regret doing it because I did get to get some good footage of them. I got to observe them. I did see that it can work and that they're, you know, they can live together peacefully. There's a couple skirmishes over food. Nobody ended up hurt. So I did see some good things out of it. However, would I do it again? No, I don't think I would. I think it's one of those deals where just the fact that I was uneasy about it the entire time. I mean, we started this thing in 2018, and I don't think there's been a day that I didn't poke my head in there to make sure everybody was still there. It bothered me. I do think that in nature, that's one thing. If they end up huddled together in nature and they're living together, that's nature. That's natural. But trying to recreate it in our own collections, it just, I didn't get the same feel. I didn't get the same vibe that I got from keeping my Balfouri where I felt like I was doing a good thing. There was a point where I started realizing, you know, I've got how many adults, you know, five, five and a half inch adults in this 12 by 12 by 18 inch cage. That's not a lot of room. That's what I would put. I mean, I have single spiders in cages that big right now. And I'm keeping them in there just to observe it. It just seemed, it was one of those things where it seemed selfish and I didn't feel great about it. So personally, I will not be doing it again. Glad I did it. Glad I got the footage of it. We'll put together a little, probably a little video about it. And I'm ready to get some heat because as soon as I say that we lost one and one of them got eaten, there's going to be people that come on and, you know, you shouldn't have done that. Of course, that's going to happen. And that that kind of pisses me off, though, because with the M-Balfouris, that's everybody was waiting for that to go wrong. Not everybody. A lot of people were waiting for that to go wrong. So they go, see, I told you so. Of course that happened. And it didn't. So we prove that that wasn't true with the Balfouris. They actually do well together. In this case everybody was probably waiting for the you know something to get eaten so that they could jump on it and go see you idiot we all told you that but 
at least now I know I've documented, I can put something together that people that are looking this up. And I have said, I will say flat out, people have asked me about starting their own P-Metallica communals. And for the last year and a half or so, I've said I wouldn't do it again. I don't think I'm doing this again. I'm going to end up separating mine. It was a good, you know, I explained kind of what I explained here, but the, my thought process was, I don't want people emulating me and doing this, you know, with theirs. I, when people ask me about M. Balfouri, yeah, go for it. I tell them everything I've learned from people, from what my own experiences, from all the people, probably dozens, if not, you know, or past 100 people have come up to me with telling me how theirs worked out and what they ended up with. Yes, I feel very confident in that you're going to most likely have a good experience with them. With the P. Metallica, the jury's out as far as I'm concerned. You know, I did keep them together for three years. So that's pretty cool to have those, you know, th- right now we're up to well, until I separate them, seven adult female P. Metallicas, one enclosure, seemingly doing quite well. That's a pretty good deal. However, it did come with a lot of stress. It did come with worry, and I just did not have the same feeling about it I did with my M. Balfouri. So for me, that's it. We will not be doing the communals with the Pokies anymore. I know a lot of people have tried them with other ones. It sounds like, and I guess... You know, if you were going to rate it and give it a grade, it would be like a C because, yeah, you're going to get some luck on them. I've heard the big thing for a lot of people that I'd heard that once they hit the four, four and a half inch mark, that's when they stop being so tolerant of each other. That's when they like to strike out. And, you know, they're adults and they're going to start pairing and mating and it makes sense for them to move out and move away from the other ones. And that's when you're going to start getting friction. And it was right around that point where we lost one. So, again, I've heard of other stories where they do well. If you notice, there's a lot of stories of people starting piece of communals and you don't hear how it ends so i always wonder i have heard of situations where they've worked out really well i just in my experience this wasn't the fact that i'm still wishy-washy over it shows that it's not one of those cut and dry things like the balfouri we can just go this was a success it's something that uh Again, glad I did, but won't be doing again. So that's the update for that. They're all separated now. They're doing well. A couple of them eaten already. I'll be looking forward to growing up. The good, the cool thing out of it is I believe, knock on wood, we'll see. There's one that's, I haven't been able to sex any of them out via molt, but I know I have at least four females. Those are confirmed. I can see them, you know, ventrally sexing. It's not that difficult to ventrally sex larger piece of etheria. At least four females. I'm trying to check out the other ones, but I think the majority of these guys ended up being ladies. The one male, unfortunately, didn't make it. He got eight, and that would have been nice to have, and definitely would have loved to try pairing them. But uh, did get some beautiful ladies. I got this little one here that's uh, just adorable. I love this little guy or gal because it's literally, I mean, I'm looking at her now. She's sitting on the side of her thing. She's probably closer to two inches now. Like Looking at her from here, probably about two inches, but still compared to the other ones that are five, five and a half, that's, that's a tiny little spider, but got some great spiders out of it. We'll continue to raise them up. Maybe we'll give some away eventually at some point. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, it for the communals for me for a while. I don't see anything else that really entices me. We tried it with the and NC, and we had one of them, you know, I was keeping them together and well-fed, and one of them tried eating the other one, so we're done with those. Uh, H. Villacella is one I always wanted to try out. We'll see. I, I think I'm probably done with it for the time being because, again, it's if they if I can, at the end of the day, look at it and go, they benefited from this situation, I can feel good about it. If I look at it at the end of the day and said, I did an experiment and I risked these spiders' lives and kept them cramped just for my amusement and to document it, that's not something I really feel good about. So, 
That'll do it for the update on the M. Balfouri and the P. Metallica. The other update I got is on my Omothymus Velocipes or Singapore Blue. This is the one I talk about quite a bit. I've had 20 seconds of footage that I got, oh God, probably about two years ago is all I managed to capture of her in about three and a half years. So talk about an elusive spider. The only other one that's as bad as that because I don't think I have any footage of her whole self out and about is my Selena Cosmia or Phlogius Crassipes, one of my favorite spiders. I did my top favorite old world species. I've been trying to turn that into a video, but I can't get any Crassipes footage to put in there for this one. And it's going to feel dumb saying, yeah, I absolutely love this spider. And here's one of her front legs. And this is all I see of her. I, I'd love to get some footage of her. So Hopefully I get some footage of her, but for the Ovilocipes, it has been ridiculous because I haven't been able to get, occasionally, I'll come up first thing in the morning or late at night when the lights are off, and I'll kind of see her legs sticking out, but she immediately would bolt to her burrow. There was no way to get any footage of her. So the goal was I had to do a rehousing for her. We were going to move her into an, one of the 12 by 12 by 18 inch Exoterra Nanos, the big ones. And I was going to set it up with a plant. We put some golden pothos in there. And so I, my goal was hopefully to get some footage of her then just to have. Because one of the things I've been doing is collecting footage of all my spiders just so I have them anytime I go to do a video. Because there's nothing worse than sitting down doing a video of a spider and you know staring at dirt the entire time. I want to give the people something to look at. So with her, the idea was to do a rehousing husband updated, updated rehousing and husbandry video and get some images of her. So we had it all set up. I set the aquarium up about a month ago. I got the pothos. I cleaned it off, soaked it in bleach, cleaned it off, planted it, let it grow and sprout some more, let everything settle in. The enclosure is all set up with, it's got uh, leaf litter, it's got the golden pothos, I put a little cork bark like uh, round along the bottom of the pothos, it looks really nice, it's got a cork bark round for the spider, you know, the moss, the whole nine yards, really good looking, I'm really proud of the way it looks, not a full, not a full bioactive enclosure. I think we throw that term around too much, but it's a nice enclosure with a plant, which I think will be good for something that requires some moisture. So I've let it sit for several weeks. That hopefully allows the plant to acclimate, make sure that any remaining pesticides have dissolved and gone away. I, any possible remaining. I don't. It's been completely washed off, roots soaked and everything, but it's just a precaution to make sure there's nothing on it. So we had it set up that we were going to do it on a Saturday. And I told Billy, yep, tomorrow we got the Ovilospes. This should be a fun one. I mean, she's a gangly little girl and a little crazy. Billy's like, oh, God, this is going to be great. So Friday night, I go up to check the tarantulas. And who is sitting right out in the open but my Ovilospes. Now, the whole reason we're doing this rehousing is to finally get some footage of, not the whole reason it was planned, but the big push to get it done is I wanted to get some footage of her. And I go out, she's sitting on the ground. So I'm like, all right, as soon as I touch her enclosure, she's going to go bolting behind her cork bark hide and disappear. Well, I touch her enclosure, she just hunkers down and like tries to hide against the substrate. So I'm like, okay. So I drag the enclosure out. I set it on the table. I do my feedings on, realize like a doofus. I usually always have my phone on me in case I catch anything. My phone's downstairs with, you know, the living room. So I'm like, all right, let me run downstairs and try to get my phone. So I run down, grab my phone, come back. She's still sitting there. So now I got to get the top. She's in a critter keeper. Now, if you've tried to get the critter keeper tops off and try to do it, you know, without making much of a ruckus, it's difficult. They cling. They don't pop off right. They get stuck. So I'm trying to get the top off. I'm jouncing, jostling this thing all around. I get the top off. She's still there. So I managed to get the camera in. I'm like, any minute she's going to bolt. I get some pictures of her, but it's her mostly. I hate getting video footage of spiders when they're in the stress pose, when they're curled up and hiding. Like I, 
A, it just doesn't make for a good, it doesn't make for good video. It doesn't make for a good image. And B, it's, you're sitting there filming the poor thing while it's scared because all the lights are on. Or in this case, just the lights from the phone. So I got like a minute of footage that I figured at least I can use at some point. Like, well, here she is. She's all huddled up. At least it shows they're not the terrorist people make them out to be because there she is cowering and not like throwing up the fence or threat posture, not trying to attack me. So then I'm like, you know what? I wonder if she'll eat. So I grabbed, she had just molted. That probably should have mentioned that fact. She had molted uh, about three weeks ago and I was trying to fatten her up. So maybe she'll eat. So I grabbed my, my bin of roaches and I drop a or bin of crickets and I drop a couple crickets in. And first she doesn't do anything and then she grabs one. So I'm like, great. Now she's eating. She looks like she's comfortable. I drop a couple more in. I get some more, about two more minutes of footage of her eating, some good shots of her. She's gorgeous. The purple, she had gone through a purple stage for quite a while. The purple is now turned into a more subtle blue. The carapace is that like, olive greeny gold just a cool coloration and contrast to the rest of it abdomen has those stripes on it some blues gorgeous spider and just you know this is one of the things that people don't understand unless you're really into like keeping the the shire fossorial species yeah you may not see them all that much when you do see them it's like walking out in the wild and seeing a unicorn you're so excited you're reaching for the camera like i can't believe it it's out it's just, it makes it all that three and a half years that I whined about not being able to get footage. That was all just washed away on getting that footage of her. The irony of the fact it is literally, it ended up being like 10 hours before we actually rehoused her was not lost on me. Like, here we go, the rehousing, we're going to get some footage of her. And it ended up, I got it the night before she was out and about. So it was cool, but it did show. I One thing that it did indicate to me and that I was important during the rehousing is that after that last molt, she had become much more bold. We talk about them changing from molt to molt. Before that molt, she never came out. I was catching her out, you know, here and there. After that last molt about a month ago, more and more I'd come up and find her out and about, and more and more she was spending a little more time in the open before she'd bolt. So there was obviously a change in attitude, so that was something to keep in the back of my mind for when we went and did the rehousing. But we did shoot the rehousing yesterday. It went great overall. The only issue was I always have that second camera, the over-the-top camera. And like a dummy, I didn't delete the the memory card was full on it. So it recorded only six minutes of the footage. And we really could have used it this time because Billy, I was telling Billy, you know, don't get too close to this. So she was having a hard time getting good shots of me trying to wrangle the spider out. And that over the head shot would have shown where the spider was at all time. And unfortunately, we don't got that, which stinks because I've been planning this rehousing for two years. I think I bought almost two years. I bought these exoterras about two years before we left the other house. Nah, about, about a year and a half. I bought them to put her in and then we started looking for a new house. I'm like, might as well wait to rehouse her till we get over here. So this has been something that I planned on for months upon months. And I was hoping to get some really good footage because this is going to be the final one as far as, you know, husbandry videos go with my oviolosophies. Here she is in all her glory, adult female out and about in her new nice planted enclosure. And unfortunately, we don't got the best shots in the world. Billy did the best you get. There was no, unfortunately, with me trying to get the spider and get her into the catch cup she was not necessarily behaving as well as she was good overall but at one point I got her in the cup went to put the cardboard over it she came right out of the cup which normally they don't do so it was she was being a little frisky so it was more important that we got the spider from point a to point b without the spider escaping without the spider getting hurt without me getting hurt without billy getting hurt and when I do the rehousings the film quality is always secondary I know that drives people nuts so always be somebody that comes onto a video and goes you really got to get better camera work in here I couldn't see what was going on it's like, you know what? That's the least of my worries right now. We're trying to make sure these spiders get in. This is all just a bonus. But overall, I think it's good. I started editing the video yesterday. Overall, I think it's it's decent. And it, 
the good thing is we got that footage the night before, so I've got good footage of it. And that's the the best part about it, I think, is that I did catch her out the night before. If I didn't catch her out the night before, our footage for this video, there would have been a few fleeting shots of her. I did with this video, and one thing I love to do with my husbandry videos now is I like to go back and historically show all the other rehousings we have on video, show clips of them. So I was able to break out the rehousing from... 2015. I was able to break out the rehousing from 2017 and show images of that so you can see kind of the re how the other rehousings went, which I hope for people that are raising these guys gives them a little more confidence when they go on looking at the rehousing videos like, oh, I got a rehousing. Oh, let's see how Tom did it. And they go on and go, oh, okay, that's what I got to expect. The first one, it bolted out of it. So I was trying to dig it out. It bolted out, but we cupped it, no problem. Second one, no issues there. And then we got the third one. She was a little frisky, but there was never any real issues. We just took our time, finally got her in the catch cup, and finally got her in the new enclosure so glad she's finally in there i'm looking over at her right now and she's looks like she's webbing behind the cork bark so she's settling in nicely i'll try feeding her again later but whew, that was that was one that i was glad to get behind me because again with a spider that shy you never know how they're going to act when they're exposed and when we've got the you know the we've got two big lights overhead lights when we do the shooting the videos which I need to kind of get good shots or decent shots because there's nothing worse than I've done videos before. Where I forget to turn the lights on and they're just all murky. And it's like, all right, there was our money shot. We could finally show off the spider for a little bit. People can't see it. So we do have those lights on. Sometimes I dim them depending on the species. But you never know how a shy spider like that's going to react when it gets into those lights. So little tip when you're rehousing spiders, if you have a light that's dimmable, as long as you can still see, you know, sometimes having a little darker keeps the spider a little more calm. I have noticed, though, however, you can use the lights to your advantage because in this case, I created a little space behind the cork bark that I thought it might go to. And what I did is my trick where I take a, a piece of cardboard and bend it in half and put it over the corner so it's covering the back of the enclosure and the side of the enclosure by where the cork bark is. So it creates a dark area behind the cork bark. So when you go to rehouse the spider, it senses the bright lights on it, wants to get away from the bright lights. When you try to get it out of the catch cup and prod it, it, they will usually go to that dark space that you've created behind the cork bark. So that can aid you. So again, sometimes the lights can help you. If you know how to use them, use them to your advantage, but you never know sometimes when you get one of these really coy ones, especially a fossorial one that isn't out much, how they're going to react to having the bright lights on them. Luckily in this case, she kept trying to hide from it in her enclosure. That's what was making things difficult. And I didn't take the plant out right away. I have a fake plant in the old enclosure, which gave her a place to hide behind. But overall, it went well. It's great. She's out. It's done. And I will hopefully have that video, the husbandry video, up hopefully tomorrow. We're running a little late on this one. But again, I don't go by a schedule. I go by whenever I get my things done. The only thing I manage to keep a schedule to is the podcast because I know people don't like, I get so many people like, man, you didn't post it on Sunday and I had nothing to listen to on the way to work. And I really felt bad about that because I know what it's like when you go to work and you have your thing you like to listen to. And it's quite frankly, really quite humbling to know that I'm one of the things that people enjoy listening to on their way to work. So we always try to hit the deadlines on these when possible. But that will be next week. We'll be doing the husbandry for that one. I'll also have some other topics. I try to mix things up with the husbandry and other topics because I know for folks that aren't interested in this, uh, the particular species, listening to 25 minutes of husbandry on it isn't necessarily their favorite thing in the world. So we try to mix things up. So next week, look forward to the husbandry on oviolospy, some notes I have in that. I have extensive notes and some things that people can look out for if they raise that species. We'll cover a couple other topics, but for this episode, I think that's going to be it because Billy and I get to bounce over to the our old house right now. We are finally selling our old house. The, we have 
They made an offer. We've had the inspections. We're almost there. It looks like we're closing at the end of the month. I can't tell you how much. It hasn't been horrific, but having the two houses, paying two mortgages, having to go over there and clean all my stuff out. I, I, Billy keeps joking that she's going to report me to hoarders and have the TV show come over and throw all my stuff out because we have an attic in the old house. It's filled with all of my stuff. It's it's. I can't even point to Billy and go, hey, this is your, it's all my stuff. And we've been cleaning that out. The temperatures have been 90s. The other day we were up in the attic at that house. It was 94 degrees, the attic in my old house. And we had to put stuff up in the attic in my new house. I put a thermometer up there, 120 degrees. So it was not a lot of fun. I was exhausted after the fact, but we're almost there. So today we're running over, getting some more stuff to bring over and put in the attic over here. The weather's nice. I don't want to lose the good weather and have it get too warm. So on that note, that will conclude this episode of Tom's Big Spiders podcast. Next week, look forward to Oviolospies. And for folks who don't like Oviolospies, we'll try to get some other fun topic in there to kind of keep your interest. So you'll hopefully listen. As always, you can find me on Tom'sBigSpiders.com. You can find me on Tom's Big Spiders on YouTube. That will do it for this one, guys. As always, stay safe. We'll catch you all next time.